0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: Welcome back to the Guys and Ties podcast. This is Dustin. I've got Rob on the phone. We are in December. Uh, Sorry about last week. I just, it got away from me. I didn't, wasn't able to edit until like the podcast was kind of irrelevant at that point. So I apologize. It's still good. We make a lot of great points. You should always listen. Rob, how are you doing?
0: pretty good man um yeah as y'all should know dustin does you know pretty. <laughs> I, I say pretty much dustin does our editing for guys and ties so dustin is a champ and as committed to the pod as ever um and it's also his birthday today we we're recording on his birthday so happy birthday
1: dustin thank you rob i appreciate it oh i wanted to celebrate by actually doing a podcast during uh our favorite week of the year hate week and we are excited to record this so I wanted to get it done. And honestly, we need to get it done also before the Michigan State game, which I feel kind of goes into the hate week kind of vibe. Although I don't really hate Michigan State anymore. the I feel like, though, they're kind of like the last hurdle for our basketball team before all the um, past tragedies are kind of rectified. So uh, it'll be nice to play them. And we're excited to play Tech hopefully uh, soon. And we're gonna talk about it all, but before we get into it, I want to talk about our sponsor, Bet Online. The wait is finally over. Football is in full effect, with many teams strutting their stuff. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure that you get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to Bet Online today and use promo code Armchair to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses bet online your sport online sportsbook experts
2: uva football is the softest bunch of cream puffs bow tie wearing bree cheese eating nascar wearing wussies i've ever seen in my life i'm gonna punch people from uva right in the neck they wear suits to games <laughs> that's absurd
1: So we're going to talk some football, we're going to talk some basketball, and we're going to start with football. So let's just quickly touch on the Boston College win. Rob, it, I feel like it was a pretty good win overall. We won 43 to 32. How did you feel coming out of that win?
0: You know, I felt pretty good. Um it certainly wasn't a perfect game from mm-hmm. the CVA team. Um you know, especially defensively, which we can touch on. You know, we had, we're missing a lot of guys from, yeah. between injury and COVID holdouts. But you know, this was a solid win for a UVA team. Now we should kind of footnote: this was a Boston College team that was playing without their starting quarterback. Even though I don't know how much that mattered, considering their backup through for 520 yards. Right. Um, and <laughs> they were also without their starting running back. So you know, that's. I guess maybe you call it even with us not having Noah Taylor and Jameer Carter out there on defense, call it what you will. You know, these teams had similar matchups and it was a good win for UVA. You know, it kind of, the same theme that we've seen the past couple of games kind of showed up again, you know, front seven on the defense, strong back end, gave up, uh, you know, too many big plays, although they did come up with a few timely interceptions. Um, But offensively this team was looking really good. You know, this remains a run first team. And, you know, led by Brennan Armstrong, who was first in um, yards and attempts, and Keaton Thompson, who was second in yards and attempts on mm-hmm. the ground. You know, this was a strong and balanced attack from UVA. So all things considered, I was very happy, and it puts uh, UVA four in a row here heading into Tech Week.
1: I love that you mentioned Keaton Thompson, because he had nine carries, 86 yards, two touchdowns, a 9.6 average. Uh, he crushed it, and, you know, right as... Right, last week we talked about how Shane Simpson was kind of coming along and seemed to be the the running back. He only gets 5 carries. So it's really, you know, we've really got this five now five-headed rushing attack. They Ronnie Walker had four carries for 10 yards. I really feel like they're getting a lot out of their quarterbacks especially. I love the use of Keaton Thompson. I feel like uh Robert and I has done a really good job of infusing him into the offense. I'm glad he's healthy now. And clearly, uh, those weeks off did him well. So hopefully, he's still good to go against Tech. I'm excited to see him. You mentioned that Brennan led the team in rushing yards. He also led the team in passing yards. Of course, one touchdown, one interception, 287 yards, uh, only 27 attempts, which is, I think, where we would like it to stay. I would rather have 42 rushing yard, 42 carries, and less passing yards.
0: Yeah, definitely. And you know, that was the formula we used against. Um north carolina to sneak out that upset and i'm sure it's going to be the formula we use against virginia tech you know this virginia team is better um you know when it's on the ground and a lot of that has to do because of personnel i think brennan armstrong is a much stronger runner than i anticipated i mean did you see the top and speed he had on that 60 yard touchdown run mm-hmm. i mean yeah. that was way more than i thought he had um and obviously we mixed keton thompson And there as well. So, you know, Virginia has weapons on the ground game from the quarterback position, you know, wide receivers just aren't what they were last year, which is okay. And we've schemed around that. But then you also have to think defensively, you know, this is a secondary that is really, really vulnerable. So the more you can keep the offense out on the field, the more you can uh, grind the clock there, that's good. And if you're able to get those explosive plays on the ground, then it all balances out. And, you know, like we said, balanced football, complimentary football, This is how this Virginia team is winning.
1: Yeah, and it's just really nice to see them find their identity after, you know, starting the season one and four. It was kind of depressing, but now we've won four in a row. We're five and four now, and we look poised going into a game against Virginia Tech that honestly could make or break uh, either team's bowl bid uh season uh virginia sits at five wins virginia tech only has four wins i feel like so they, they're saying that any team can get into a bowl game this year but if virginia tech is four and seven do, do you think that they get a a bid to a bowl
0: you know obviously in a normal year no right, right. um but it's so hard to tell this year because one you know Like you said, any team can get into a bowl. There's no win requirement. So the Mm -hmm. six-win requirement is kind of thrown out the door. And two, you know, the school or the bowls can and say they will, um, you know, use their normal tie-ins by conferences, but they also don't have to. And we also know a number of bowls have been canceled. You know, several ACC bowl games um, have been canceled already. So we don't know who's going to participate. We don't know how many options there will be for teams to participate it's so confusing but you know what tech did say today is that if they get a bowl invite they will go but mm-hmm. you know if let's say virginia tech loses against uva which will obviously break down that game here in a sec but i'll put virginia tech at four and seven it's hard to imagine them you know probably being a great candidate for the bowl game especially considering you know I think Virginia Tech fans normally travel pretty well, but since that's not really the case this year, since no one's really traveling because of COVID, right. you know, what difference does that really make? Right. Long way of saying I have no idea. I really <laughs> don't. <laughs> what about you? No,
1: I I just find it hard to believe that they'd give a team with a like a huge losing record like that a bid to a bowl. And, and in all honesty, you know, if Virginia Tech is coming in with four straight losses, kind of very opposite to our four straight wins coming into this game and if they are if they lose this game and i know you were talking about this a little bit earlier um fuente is kind of on the hot seat and i'm on espn right now and there's an article that says the coaching carousel is heating up uh fuente is the picture on that on that uh (laughs) article and so (laughs) So it's it's very Amazing. clear that, I know I love it. He's on the hot seat. I know you were reading some boards I the boards the message boards scare me. I can't go on them. they're too they're too much. Um, it's just a lot of nonsense and and but you but you were on the hokey message boards and saying that you know some there's some grumblings here and there. so I, I think it'll be very interesting that they I mean he might not even make it uh, into next week if he does not win this game against UVA.
0: Yeah, I mean, Tech's had a real dilemma here because, you know, not only are they losing games, you know, we at Virginia have lost games. We've lost plenty of games. But, you know, really the difference, you know, that I've been able to pick up on is, you know, when we are losing games, Mike London was still a good guy. People liked him as a person. He's a good You dude. know, Tech's losing games and people can't stand Puente. Mm-hmm. People are so done with him. Players are coming out, you know, talking about the culture. I mean, who's to say, you know, what happened necessarily last week in the Boston College game, but uh, the supposed exchange he had between uh, himself and Hinden Hooker on the sideline Mm -hmm. when Hinden Hooker was like shivering and said he couldn't go back in and Fuente might or might not have said, you better go back in Mm -hmm. and Hooker fumbles the next play. I mean, there's just cultural problems in Blacksburg that we know at a minimum. So, yeah, I mean, if Virginia Tech were to fire him after the season, I think the Uh, buyout drops by a couple million dollars if they Mm -hmm. wait until after um, December 15th. Yeah. So, you know, you would probably expect them to do that if they lost. I don't know if this is a job-saving gain for Puente necessarily, but, I mean, people are not happy in Blacksburg. And I'll tell you, like, if they lose to Virginia two years in a row, I would not want to be Justin Fuente going through another year in Blacksburg. <laughs> I, I
1: can mean, tell you that. I mean, dude, I mean COVID might save his butt because I don't know if Virginia Tech can even afford to fire him even after this year. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens with that if they if they do lose this game or if we win this if Virginia wins this game and the Hokies are gonna have a very tough decision whether or not to keep Fuente because I don't know if they can afford to. There's so many programs out there right now at a um, huge deficit. I don't know even if the big college football programs like Alabama or Ohio State or Clemson can even run a positive uh, book this year when usually they can. I just think I'm not sure that they're going to be able to afford to fire him at all. So they might have to keep him for a little bit.
0: Yeah, and I mean, to add insult to injury, to see Shane Beamer get the head coaching job at South Carolina the yeah. other day, um, I don't know how Tech fans necessarily feel about that, but it, it's just interesting. And honestly, I thought that was a job that Hugh Freeze would uh, – get honestly because hugh free is sec heading back there but mm-hmm. they go with shane beamer the Hokie alum so that was a really interesting hire as well
1: i feel like hugh free still is kind of blacklisted from the sec at this point and i don't know that's probably not true but it's probably a little it'd be a little um problematic for him to come back as soon as you know what has it been four years since he was fired at ole miss for um something like that doing yeah. illicit things with um school money so yeah it was it's just kind of a weird weird situation but yeah I, I'm excited to you know for this upcoming game let's talk a little bit about what we're looking for uh, against the Hokies this Saturday what are we looking for against the Hokies this Saturday so first of all Virginia Tech is a um, two-point favorite the spread is at negative 2 for Virginia Tech the over under is set at 62 which I think is a little bit high, but we can discuss that later, and um, ESPN has Virginia Tech at a 64.4% chance to win this game. Rob, going into this game, how do you like our matchup against this Hokie team?
0: You know, it's a game that I'm nervous about. (laughs) I'm Mm -hmm. nervous about probably out of habit as much as anything, but I think the biggest thing I want to say is, you know, Virginia Tech's going to show up for this game. And I know Mm -hmm. Virginia Tech has lost four in a row. Um, The back two have been kind of ugly, but this is literally their season right now. And I also don't think they probably took it too well when our team kind of took to Twitter earlier in the season and um, kind of bashed them a bit for their COVID protocols and whatnot. But, I mean, the biggest comparison i want to make here is really the 2018 season. You know, you remember the 2018 season we lose in Blacksburg in overtime in a game that still haunts me, but Virginia Tech had lost four in a row going into that game as well. You know, the latter two of which were blowouts. They had lost 52 to 22 to Pittsburgh and then 38 to 14 against Miami before they hosted us, um ultimately winning that game. So Tech goes into that game at four and six and if they lose that game the bull streak is over mm-hmm. and you know we saw the way that game went back and forth and virginia tech came to play well virginia tech you know same thing this year they've lost four in a row um but i really do think they're going to show up in each of their games the past two weeks even though they've looked like uh blowouts on paper you know certainly pittsburgh losing 47 to 14 and then clemson 45 to 10 You know, Virginia Tech was competitive in the first half of both of those games. So, you know, I think it's really important that Virginia at minimum stays even with Virginia Tech through the first half of these games. Um, And, you know, really let hopefully, you know, you're hoping it's going to be better play calling just on UVA's side. I think it's most people would agree they like the Virginia staff better than the Virginia Tech staff right now. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you let the depth, you let the play calling, and you let the players that, hopefully have the giant monkey out there back now after beating them last year, um, just go to work and hopefully they can take advantage in the second half. Um, yeah, yeah. But for me, this game always means more than what it looks
1: like on paper. Of course. And you know, they always say throughout the records and everything, but i really feel like in the, especially the past couple of years, UVA's teams were just better and didn't show up against uh, these tech teams. And so it'll be, interesting to see this year because we actually match up pretty well we're pretty similar in our stats uva allows about 32 points per game virginia tech allows or sorry virginia gets about 32 points per per game and virginia tech scores about 31 points per game virginia allows about 29 points per game Virginia Tech's defense allows about 34 points per game. Virginia Tech only gets four more yards per game than us, 438 compared to 434. And Virginia Tech allows 20 more yards per game than our defense, 460 to 440. So our our, our teams are pretty similar. And the thing about them is that they rush a lot, just like us. But unlike us, they have a 1,000-yard rusher this season so far in uh Herbert and Khalil Herbert. Their quarterback, Herndon Hooker, as we've talked about, is kind of been on the rocks recently. He's played and not played. He's been benched a couple times. What do you what do you make of this Hokie offense and what should we look for in our defense to try and focus on?
0: Yeah, I mean the interesting matchup is And the front seven for the DVA defense taking care of the Virginia Tech round attack. Because like you said, Khalil Herbert has been kind of a revelation for Virginia Tech, Mm -hmm. um, transferring over from Kansas. He's been terrific this season. And Virginia Tech also has a really, really good offensive line. And they've had some people banged up. I don't think everyone's going to be at 100%, but early indications is looking like that offensive line, the starters will all be playing. So they have a really strong offensive line, a good running back in Herbert. Um, you know really the wild card here is the quarterback situation Mm -hmm. and for anyone who watched the Clemson game last week you know you kind of saw the revolving door they have there you know Hendon Hooker starts the game comes out for a series Braxton Burmeister plays well and they just keep rolling with Burmeister but then Burmeister gets hurt and then Hooker comes back in and Hooker's on the sideline shivering so they bring in their fourth string because Quincy Patterson just went into the transfer portal last week. So, you know, it sounds like, you know, again, early indications this week, it's Tuesday. Sounds like Hooker and Burmeister are both going to be good to go. I don't know necessarily who starts if they both are available, but yeah, there's a lot of uncertainty in their quarterback room there. So really, I think the best way for Virginia to stop this Virginia tech offense is, exactly kind of the game plan they had against boston college you know they held boston college to minus seven rushing yards um in a game where they didn't have jameer carter i mean when their linebackers were depleted no snowden obviously and no noah taylor um you know we had to bring uh tommy chris back over from offensive line to defensive line for that game and mm-hmm. he played fair enough so i think really with virginia it starts with controlling the ground game and if they do that then i think they're setting themselves up well
1: yeah, I and the other thing about Hooker, he's a pretty good runner. He has 620 yards on the season to go along with nine touchdowns. So he is their leading rushing touchdown getter. He only has uh, 14 less attempts than Herbert. And I think, you know, we've had problems in the past with these dual threat quarterbacks. I wouldn't even call Trevor Lawrence a dual threat quarterback, but he crushed us on the ground a couple times on some of those long third down situations in the game against Clemson I know that Malik Cunningham really did damage on the ground with his legs and uh, so I'm a little little bit nervous about Hooker if he is indeed the starter getting behind our front seven and just kind of making a mess of things because honestly we've been really good so far about this season with not allowing teams a lot of rushing yards and especially in the game against Boston College last week Boston College as a team had negative 27 rushing yards. And I know that includes sacks, but uh that's still not great. Uh sorry, negative 7 rushing yards total. So that's not a great stat for a team uh and that makes me feel a little bit better, but you know if he if he's in a situation where a Hooker is scrambling that's the situation where he can get lost and get around the front seven. And that's where we've really struggled this season.
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously Malik Cunningham is a great example there. And, you know, Burmeister can run too. I would say he's probably not as good a runner as Hooker is, but he's certainly a threat on the ground as well. So, you know, it's going to be interesting trying to slow this Virginia tech offense. Really what you got to hope for is that, you know, you can keep this game pretty even um, going into halftime, and then hopefully Virginia can kind of take over from there. Um, another interesting storyline to follow, Trey Turner suited up. Trey Turner, their star wide receiver, he suited up against Clemson last week, but mm-hmm. he didn't actually play. Apparently he's battling an injury. Um So unclear whether or not he'll be able to play against UVA as well. So that's another really interesting storyline to follow, especially considering kind of UVA's struggles in the secondary
1: mm-hmm. is it, it so it's not COVID it's an injury for Turner uh,
0: yeah it's not it's not totally clear what happened when said today that uh they dressed him because they wanted to see if he could go but he couldn't mm-hmm. but you know hopeful he can go out against UVA and play okay. it's, it's a little cloudy not totally sure what it is but um yeah that's another storyline to follow so I mean offensively, you know, Virginia tech, we don't know what's going on with their quarterback. We don't necessarily know what's going on with the offensive line, you know, receivers, a question mark, you know, there's a lot of unknowns for Virginia tech right now this week.
1: Are there any players for UVA who may or not play as well?
0: You know, we obviously know our guys with, um, season ending injuries by all accounts. It seems like Lavelle Davis will be back after, um, probably having a bit of a concussion scare last week. So we think Lavelle Davis gets to get on and play. Sounds like Joey Blunt is good to go this week as well. He got his feet wet playing for the first time since, uh, wake forest. I think it was this past week. So it seems like UVA aside from the guys that we know are out with season ending injuries, will be back to full force. You know, the question will really be Noah Taylor, Jameer Carter, you know, presumably they were out due to COVID last week. Um, you know, not sure when their tests happened, and you know, since we didn't get that data point against Florida State, not sure if they would have been out for Florida State as well. So, that's really the biggest question is those two. And based on the timing of when they tested positive, hopefully, they'll be able to come back this week.
1: Well, I guess we will figure that out um, next or sorry, this Saturday uh, at eight o'clock on ACC Network. So, get pumped for another late night game and uh, I'm looking forward to I think it's gonna be a good game honestly I think it's gonna be kind of a shootout because our defense has been pretty uh porous in the secondary recently and their defense can't seem to hold anyone either so um I'm really excited to watch this game I think it's gonna be good hopefully we blow them out I doubt that and uh it'll probably be some cardiac calves coming down to the wire once again That's my guess.
0: Yeah, and I mean, we learned long ago not to make predictions for this game. never make predictions. Uh, They always come back and bite us. So, (laughs) uh, go who's man. I'm fired up for this game. It's hate week. It's hate week. let's go. Let's, you know, last year we sent out Bud Foster on a sour note. Mm -hmm. I mean, heck, maybe we send out Fuente. I don't know. But I'm very excited for this game.
1: Me too. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, before we talk about basketball, I want to talk about our sponsor, BetOnline. The wait is finally over. Football is in full effect with many teams strutting their stuff. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure that you can get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to BetOnline today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts, and we are also sponsored sponsored by Manscaped. Ho ho ho, fellas, naughty or nice, tis the season to perform. You are in luck because the Manscaped Performance Package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle and makes for the perfect gift. Imagining open an attractive box that says, your balls will thank you. With the most sought after gadgets and scents a person could find. Included in this new package is the Weed Whacker ears and nose hair trimmer which is waterproof and uses a 9,000 RPM motor powered 60 deg- 360 degree rotary dual blade system. Look guys, 79% of partners admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff. Why not use the best tools for the job here? This bundle includes the Lawn Mower 3.0 trimmer, the best trimmer on the market for your balls, butt, and body. The dads can't stop talking about this, the teens secretly buy this, and the women will love you for it. Tis the season to manscape, so get yourself, your dad, your brother, and friends the best gift of all, the Manscape Performance Package. Let's not forget their famous liquid formulations, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner to maximize your ball hygiene routine get the performance package now to receive their two free gifts the manscaped boxers and the shed travel bag the performance package is the best value that manscaped has to offer and is hot off the shelves get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com thank you to manscaped for making our holes look sexy
0: well done Boston.
1: thank you And uh, it is the season to perform and it is the season for the basketball team to start performing a little bit better as well because we take on number four Michigan State at home on Wednesday, which is tomorrow when we are recording. At 9.15, we're going to be on ESPN proper, which is really nice. I'm excited to have like a real announcing crew. I don't know who's going to be calling our game. Um, I'm a big Billis fan. I also love Dickie V. I really love everyone. And uh, I'm I'm waiting for the day that Walton will call one of our games, but I don't know if that will ever happen. He does a lot of the West Coast stuff. So, um, unfortunately, we haven't seen a lot from him this season. But I'm excited to, you know, see what we got against Michigan State.
0: Yeah, you know, I guess we'll have to go out and play, like, Oregon or UCLA someday to get Bill Walton. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how I would feel about Bill Walton, honestly. Um He's always a treat. He is a treat. Uh, Yeah. Uh, No, I'm pumped for this game, man. You know, I know, I think we said as soon as this was scheduled, it kind of kills us that there will not be fans in the stadium. because Dustin and my, what, it was our first and second year at UVA. Mm -hmm. Michigan State beat us in the tournament, obviously, each of those years. So, you know. This game has been circled, man. This is a revenge game we've been waiting for for a while
1: now. Yeah, people forget that Michigan State was also in our side of the bracket in 2016, which is when we lost to Syracuse in the game that we don't talk about in the uh, (laughs) Elite Eight. So we really would have been playing Michigan State in that game. So they once again ruined our season. And then in the next year, we lost to UMBC. So I don't think they had anything to do with that. And then the year after, they were also in the Final Four with us with a chance to meet in the championship game. So we've never really gotten a revenge game for those, I'm I'm going to say three years that they ruined our uh, season. And they, the ACC and Big Ten have been uh, cowards and not, uh, not put us together since then, even though we've been, I think, two of the top teams in both conferences. I think they tr- try and match it by who they think is going to be good that year. And a lot of media members never really believed in UVA. So it was unfortunate that we were never able to get them. But this year, I think that it's going to be a really, really good matchup. And I'm really excited to see this game. And I'm also excited to see the Hauser brothers uh, play against each other for the first time in their lives.
0: Yeah, I mean, and obviously that's the kind of second storyline here is once you get kind of past the uva michigan state rivalry if you will from the past ncaa tournaments i mean the hauser brothers this is a big matchup for them and sam hauser you know still kind of feeling his way into the uva lineup um although i would say he's statistically very good leads the team in points per game and in minutes um also tied for the team lead in rebounding so sam hauser certainly is a big part of this uva roster um I don't know, do you have a better feel, Dustin, for how Joey Hauser has been doing over at Michigan this season? Michigan Joey, State?
1: Yeah, Joey Hauser is their top. Uh, he he, has, he leads them in points per game. He also leads them in rebounds per game. So he's been a really great player for a Michigan State team that um, lost a – not. they didn't lose a ton of people, but they did lose their leader and point guard in Cassius Winston from last year. So it's unfortunate that uh, – you know, we couldn't get Joey Hauser as well. They're what we didn't have enough room for. Those who don't know, the Hauser brothers used to play at Marquette. They transferred two years ago, and they were trying to find a place that would take both of them. It wasn't going to happen because they kind of had different feels. So Sam Hauser, the older one with one year of eligibility left, came to UVA. Joey Hauser, the younger brother, with uh, I think he's got two more years, including this year, two more years left. He went to Michigan State. So. They are very similar stats. Uh Sam Hauser scores about 14 and a half points per game. Joey has 14 points per game. Uh, Joey Hauser has 10 rebounds per game. Sam Hauser is a little bit less than that. They're just very similar players. Joey Hauser is a little bit taller as well. Um, but I think even though there's a difference in you know the the rankings of these teams, I think we actually play. Pretty similarly, and I actually think we match up pretty well against this Michigan State team.
0: Yeah, and you know, Michigan State comes in at five and zero. Probably the more notable wins they've had are, um, you know, really Duke. Um, you know, they had actually a couple of close games as well. Um, Detroit Mercy uh, being one of them last Friday, eighty three seventy six win for Michigan State there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think. You know, Michigan State comes into this game ranked fourth in the AP poll. UVA was 15th last week, dropped to number 18 after a um, kind of shaky overtime performance. You know, I'm not really concerned about the rankings. You know, I I wasn't even really concerned when we lost the game to USF. Um, although I definitely would have been concerned had we dropped the uh overtime game against kent state you don't want to lose two of those no but yeah i mean this is obviously a virginia team that's still finding itself you know michigan state has been close to being upset virginia has been upset most of the top teams in the country at this point have been upset um so you know taking this real macro rankings to me right now don't mean that much there's a lot of season to go assuming we're able to make it through the season um And to me, you know, this Virginia team has a tremendously high ceiling. You know, same uh, thing I'd say for Michigan State as well. You know, both these teams are kind of legit Final Four contenders um, in this year's basketball landscape. So I wouldn't worry too much about the rankings heading into this one. Oh, yeah, I'm
1: not worried. I'm not – the rankings at this point in the season don't really matter at all. I don't think they really reflect anyone. I mean, we've got Virginia Tech. I think they're 15 right now. I really don't think that team – is that good, but they did get a nice win over Villanova. I, you know, it's just really hard to tell what teams are made of this season because there's been so many changes. A lot of teams didn't get a lot of time to gel, a lot of new faces around. I think Michigan State is one of those teams, although they have, they did, um, I'm not going to say they got lucky, but they played a Duke team that is also trying to find its way right now. A lot of uh, three freshmen and two sophomores starting for that Duke team. So it's a tough like situation when your team is so young, you really have to it really experience and playing games is what gets you better. And at this point, I don't think Duke is that good because I mean, they've got really talented players, but they don't gel as a team. Uh, same thing with Virginia. Virginia has got a lot of new faces. We've talked about this before, you know, Key Clark's coming off the bench. Sam Hauser's playing a lot of minutes and uh Reese Beekman's a young guy. Justin McCoy's has a, much higher um playing time than probably a lot of people thought and also didn't play that much last season just a lot of new th- moving pieces on a lot of these teams Michigan State for example they lost their leader one of the most beloved Michigan State players of all time Cassius Winston last year they're definitely leader a great point guard great scorer, and this year they don't really have a point guard I mean that's one of the problems with them and you know they have a lot of assists, but they've also been turning the ball over quite a lot in their games. Uh, their point guard right now is Rocket Watts, who is not a true point guard. He's more of a two, he'd ra- I think he'd rather play as a two guard, but right now they just don't have that, and so they're still trying to figure themselves out too. So I think this is gonna be a really good test of what team uh, is preparing better and what team is uh, gonna move faster to try and, you know, gel a little bit better.
0: Yeah. And, you know, kind of bringing this more specifically to UVA, um, you know, we started to see the lineup get trimmed a little bit last week. Mm-hmm. You know, Cody Statman did not play much. Um, I thought it was interesting Casey Morsell against Kent State barely played at all in the first half, but then played a large chunk of the second half. So they're still kind of feeling out their way with him. And then, you know, the game before we were doing hockey style kind of platoon lineup changes, yeah. which, you know, certainly we knew that wasn't going to stick, but I guess was a way for Tony Bennett to evaluate these players and game action. You know, how do you feel about the roster right now and how, you know, we're at least starting to see the process unfold of getting this rotation figured out?
1: I mean, it's a weird roster. I, I, I really, I'm really struggling with this roster. I love them all. And I I think it's tough to say who should get less minutes or more minutes. But, like, for example, our starting lineup for the past two games has been Beekman, Woldetensai, Huff, Hauser, McCoy. And I don't know how well McCoy, Hauser, and Huff work together on the floor. Like, who's the three in that situation? Is it Hauser? Is it McCoy? Who's got to guard that three guard? And I don't know... Who it is, um. And for example, McCoy played eleven minutes, didn't have any points, one turnover, two fouls, two rebounds. Um, and so I think it's just really going to depend on the game. We haven't seen a lot of Kafaro this season. We haven't seen a lot of um, Jabri Abdul Rahim. Uh, almost no Carson McCorkle. A lot of us thought he was going to red shirt anyway, but since there are no really red shirts this season, um, he he might see more minutes. Uh, Trey Murphy played 19 minutes. It's just a, you know, it's a moving rotation. Kihei Clark gets 38 minutes off the bench in the overtime win over Kent State. I think it's, I think Tony's still himself trying to figure out who works well together and who is going to be finishing these games. You know, finishing the game on uh, uh, last week against Kent State, it was Kehe, Hauser, Huff, Woldetensai, Beekman. And so it seems like Beekman is pretty steady. I think I think Tony likes what he's got. I think he likes his game. Uh, Beekman had four points in 31 minutes. He had two turnovers, uh, no assists, but two steals, three rebounds. Um, I yeah, I've, I think this team is still trying to figure out kind of who they are. Once again, um, sorry to not. Well, actually, you know, we're let's move on. I want to kind of shift this conversation. I didn't mean to talk for that long, but to shift the conversation to the offense, this team played a lot of different offenses again against Kent State. They're still trying to figure out what offense they're playing. They tried some over of that five out, and they played a lot of sides, uh, also known as continuity uh, uh, continuity ball screen, and I think they also did some mover blockers. So I, this team is definitely still like figuring things out, and I don't think they're worried about wins or losses just yet, but I think that they're going to start to against Michigan state. Cause this is a season defining win.
0: Yeah. And you know, I'm glad you brought it to the offense. Cause that's kind of the natural progression point here is, you know, how does this team figure itself out offensively? And of course, you know, it's been well documented. We come out in the first two games using a lot of this five out sets. And then it seems like Tony Bennett kind of went back to his security blanket. Um, which is mover blocker. So, you know, these past two games, have seen a lot more mover blocker, mover blocker, AKA sides, you know, kind of one in the same. Um, so, you know, we have this offense, which is, you know, I've criticized it before. I think most people in the Virginia fan base have criticized it before, but it has been Tony Bennett's security blanket. The question really is, you know, is it best suited to our offensive personnel? You know, Sam Hauser has kind of a mix between the three and the four, um, you know, on offense and, you know, he's certainly not a Joe Harris or a Kyle guy, you know, running around the ball screens and a catch and shoot, you know, he doesn't necessarily play like that. So it's a bit of an interesting fit for him as is, you know, if he's placed as a blocker setting screens as the four in that system. So, you know, interesting dilemmas we have here, you know, having a guy like Trey Murphy, who's also somewhat positionless on the offensive end, you know, I feel like the struggle of the season is that we cannot, right now peg our guys in kind of our traditional UVA one through five roles, um, which is causing, you know, us to not only play with the chemistry issues, but also play with the sets as well. So, I mean, do you have a preferred offensive set? Is there a way you think they can or should go? Uh, What's kind of your take on this, Dustin?
1: I'm not, I'm not even going to pretend to understand uh, the basketball offense as well as I should. Uh, The basketball offense is something that I need to study more of. Although I feel like when we played more of um, the 5-out has been weird. I still think the players are still trying to adjust to that. Although I think I saw that they scored the most points using the 5-out sets against Kent State. Um, I think that I'm not sure the 5-out is the best use of Jay Huff that we could get. And I, I think that Tony needs to do a mix of everything. I think this year we're going to see, for now still a lot of mixes of different offensive sets based on who's on the floor. Like if Jay Huff is the only like score on the floor, we're going to run stuff for him. If Hauser's on the floor, uh, we're going to run stuff through him. And I think this year we're, we're just going to see a lot of changes with that. Are we going to see times where Huff and Hauser don't play on the floor at the same time? Maybe. Um, so far, I have not been super impressed with Hauser's defense. Um, even though he's been good at rebounding, his defense is, sometimes he's a little slow, uh, not as quick to help, which is a huge, huge thing on for UVA. So, do we do we maybe put some more defenders in there when when Hauser's in there? I'm not sure. And so, but against against uh, Kent State, you know, we we struggled at times to pull away, and I feel like the defense needs to tighten up a little bit
0: yeah and you know kind of another good transition there because i think the defense is a fair thing to talk about this season you Mm -hmm. know we lose from last year braxton key mamadi di kite certainly not the biggest scorers in the world but you know good pack line defenders in those two um and you know Also, I would say two very good rebounders. Mm -hmm. You know, I would say a weakness so far of this team has been rebounding. It seems like every game there's a couple rebounds here and there, whether on the offensive or defensive end, where, like, you know, it'll go through their hands and it'll hit the floor and you'll see them get out-muscled. You know, blue-collar over white-collar, as Tony Bennett likes to say sometimes. You know, it seems like they're getting shoved around a little bit, not Mm -hmm. necessarily as physical as they have been. So I'm curious what you make of that as well, Um, because Jay Huff, Sam Hauser, they both have 27 rebounds tied for the team lead, but, you know, Jay Huff is, I guess, our five in most lineups, Um, even though I wouldn't call him kind of the most traditional five, I'd consider um, Caden Shedrick more of a traditional five, although he's only playing about 10 minutes a game right now. And, Hmm. you know, we don't really have our traditional kind of four either, you know, we have justin mccoy who's somewhat on the shorter end sam hauser who plays the four sometimes he's a bit more of a finesse player offensively than the defensive players you know we've come to see under tony bennett so you know long way of saying you know what's kind of your takeaway there on kind of the physicality and defense in general
1: well so we've got at this point really two people who have never played the defense in a game before and hauser and um and Beekman. Beekman especially because Hauser at least had a year off to practice it. Beekman has not played this defense before, although he seems to be getting it a little bit. You know, you see flashes of um freshman freshman in him when he although he plays I think way better than a freshman usually do in this system. You still see flashes of freshman where like, you know, he'll he gets he gets lost or he, he might grab someone um, he's still speeding up to the game. So he'll be just fine. Hauser on the other hand, You know, he's had trouble staying with the guys. Kihei doesn't, when Kihei doesn't start also, you know, that, that's, it's not concerning, but it for sure does not help the defense. Kihei is a really good on-ball defender. Same thing with Casey. You know, I think Casey probably this year might be our best on-ball defender, but his offense so far has been keeping him off the floor. It. You know, I'm not be, I've not been super impressed with the defense. And I'm just gonna be honest with that. You know, sixty-four points against uh um for for Kent State. It, even if though it was overtime, I feel like that game it really shouldn't have gotten to overtime, and they did not score much in overtime either. I don't even know did they score in overtime? They scored two points in overtime. So yeah, they, they scored, scored two points. They scored sixty two points in regulation, which I feel like last year would have been a ton. Our defense last year was insane. And I think we just got to get used to that. This team is going to be more offensive and our defense is just not going to be as good. Um, you know, we've got Thomas World of out there. Tomas World of Tensai, who, uh, while he, he works really hard, he's not the best defender we've got. I feel like even Cody Statman is a better defender just due to his length and the, his ability to disrupt um, back there. I feel like, you know, our defense is just going to take a step back um this season even though it's still yeah. been it's still been very good you know 64 points is the highest so far 51 against St. Francis 61 for San Francisco 54 for Towson it's just it's just kind it of been up and down you know it's been up and down
0: yeah and you know I'm glad you kind of added that point at the end because you know scoring defense wise it's still been solid um you know the the point I'll always come back to with UVA is Again, Tony Bennett will disagree with me entirely, but, you know, go look at Ken Palm and, you know, we were talking about kind of some struggles on the defense so far. We're still ranked number three in adjusted defensive efficiency on Mm -hmm. Ken Palm. I'm sure scoring defenses were, again, one of the tops in the country. Um, You know, what's the difference really between UVA being number one defensively and being 10th defensively? You know, it's tough to say, and I think really the story of this season, I'm sure they're practicing defense probably even more than offense as tony bennett does um but really the story of the season for me is how does this offense get it together and you know i see things very clearly especially after watching last year's team where i'm like oh yeah like we probably wouldn't have let that pass get in there last year for Mm -hmm. example or we would have had a better double or we would have hedged that better you know whatever you want to call it um but defense is not going to be the problem with this UVA team. It's, right. it's just not. We're just going to have to figure out a way to get it done offensively. And I think we still have a great ceiling there. It's just one that, you know, I think it's fair to say it's taking us a bit longer than maybe we expected to figure it out.
1: Yeah, but, you know, here here's the other thing is like when our offense, there's so many things that our offense does this year that they couldn't last year. Uh, I mean, take the San Francisco game, for example. I mean, that team was built to – to beat our team small quick guards three-point shooters spreading the floor um our our team last year would not have been able to catch up I mean we it was 61 to 60 but Sam Hauser really tried to will us back into that game and that's just not something we would have done last year and I'm not sure um I'm not sure we could have uh even beat them last year at all I'm really interested to see how this team gels. And I think if you look back to last year, too, you know, we started off pretty rough last year. Like the the first couple weeks, it was like, oh, man, like we're not going to score at all. Like it was really, really bad at times. Um, You know, the Syracuse game, I think we only scored 48 points. Uh, to start the season yeah 48 to 34 yeah, it and it it didn't get much better than that and you know we really didn't hit our stride you know we had those three losses in a row and to start ACC season Boston College Clemson and Florida State um, you know we scored 53 55 and 50 in those games and it was just rough and we didn't really hit our stride offensively until the until the later half of the season where we win eight in a row. And really it's still at that point, it's our defense um, willing us to victory in those games. I think that that's kind of be, it's not going to be the same this year. I think our offense is going to, it's going to be the same for our offense. Our offense is going to click at some point. Hopefully Tony's going to make them work together and it'll all be wonderful, but I hope it's in time for tomorrow. That's what I'm saying.
0: <laughs> well, kind of another sketch of news it was just announced William & Mary gets rescheduled for December 13th, Mm -hmm. uh, only a day after it was originally scheduled, which is kind of funny. But we do have a game now in between um, Michigan State and Villanova, which is nice. I'm glad, like, we'll get to see, you know, whatever happens against Michigan State. Hopefully we'll be able to kind of, go back and adjust against William & Mary um, mm-hmm. before seeing another really high-profile opponent in Villanova. So yeah. that is a new scheduling news that I'm excited about.
1: Yeah, so two top 10 teams in a row. Well, well, there's going to be a William & Mary in there. But for two top 10 teams in December, is pretty fun. Uh, hopefully that Villanova game can still go. Their game against DePaul was just canceled, actually, or postponed. So uh, that was for December 14th. I think that was DePaul's fault. Um, not Villanova, but still kind of, you know, concerning. I really want that Nova game to happen. I love playing them. And I just, you know, I think that these two games, we're really going to see what this team is made of. We're really going to see what we're going to be able to do with this team. And uh, I'm just, I'm looking forward to this upcoming slate of games. I'm really excited for it.
0: Yeah, you and me both, man. Obviously this Michigan State game goes back, a long way for us um mm-hmm. and then obviously villanova those have just been two high high level games
1: yeah
0: series we had in uh 2016 and 2017 so yeah man it's fun you know we got virginia tech football hate week this week <laughs> for football we've got michigan state villanova coming up it's a fun time right now for ubs sports. Yeah. and my washington football team beat the Steelers yesterday. yes so I saw life that is good right now
1: crazy times for uh for Rob in sports you know we don't often <laughs> what I, I don't know how long it's been since you know we've had a maybe a football win a basketball win and a Washington football team win in the same weekend oh,
0: has
1: man. there ever been and, a time in your lifetime would you guess <laughs>
0: we'll have to go back to the record books on that one yeah um Yeah. And not to mention, we got news with um, Bryce Carter committing in football at the Mm -hmm. end of last week as well. Another high, high rated player. Uh So that's exciting news. Things can change fast in the sports world, but right now, you know, it's feeling pretty
1: good. It's feeling good. Um, I, I guess, is that your shout out to Bryce Carter, four star recruit?
0: Yeah, why not? Bryce Carter, he was originally in the class of 2022, um, where he was a top 100 player. Um, he's reclassifying back into his original class, class of 21. So he should sign with UVA officially. Um, I think signing day is actually next week. It's coming okay. up fast. Um, so yeah, really, really exciting get. He's UVA's highest rated recruit in this class. Um So really, really exciting for the team. And uh, welcome aboard, Bryce Carter.
1: Yeah. I I want to give a yell out to uh Joey Buckets aka Joe Harris. He had a he's got a sweet tat for this upcoming season on his forearm. It's in tribute to his mom and grandmother. Uh there's a nice nice uh picture of it. I th- I saw on Twitter the other day. So go check it out if you haven't already. He looks good with it. He just signed a big deal with the Nets to continue playing. So and they've got of course uh Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant coming back this season hopefully. So uh, look for the Nets to to uh, to s- feature Joe Harris on national TV a little bit more often than we would have in the past, which will be fun to watch. And with that, I think we're done for today. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Guys and Ties Pod. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Snapchat for any bonus content that Rob may put out at Guys and Ties Pod. Go ahead and follow us on iTunes and Spotify if you want to keep listening. And go check out Armchair Media. They got a lot of great pods about sports, different sports, sports things, sports games, sports people. Great stuff. Go check them out. And we will see y'all next week. Go Hoos, beat Michigan State, and beat Virginia Tech. Beat Tech, baby. Beat Tech. Hate Week.